And welcome to Somewhere in Between with Coach Moles and the Coop. Uh, I'm Coach Moles, obviously. Uh, we're coming to you from the world headquarters of Somewhere in Between, which is my home office in Evergreen, Colorado. And uh, welcome you all. You probably have noticed that uh, we're missing someone today. And that would be the Coop, Mark Cooper, who is fishing in the Bahamas, I believe. I know he's in the Bahamas, and I know he loves fishing, so I'm putting two two together here. And uh, we do not have the Coop with us today, but we do have a special show. Um, what we've done is we've put together a group of young men that are playing college football, um, four that are currently playing, one that played and uh, is no longer playing in, uh, in college uh, due to injury. So we have some inter interesting perspectives from these athletes because all these athletes came through a program, a uh, Team Attack Academy program that I ran, TMB, TMB Athletes Team Attack Academy for 13 years. And these are some guys who are there to tell their story to inspire younger players. And so uh, you'll see that they don't mince their words I mean, much. They just come right out and tell you what it took for them to get there. These are all Division One players. Um, some of them are on the NFL watch list currently. Uh, uh, two of them for sure on the NFL watch list. And uh, these are guys who can talk to you and you can talk to others. Uh, if you have kids playing football or sons playing football or if you have friends who have sons, uh, this is a podcast that will probably draw up a design pretty specific to the how of making it to college football as a young high school player starting as early as the 8th, ninth grade in how you train and prepare for becoming a college Division One football player. So uh, with that, we're going to go through and uh, introduce to you a few players. Our first guest is uh, from the University of Northern Iowa. His name is Chris Kolarovic. Chris was recently voted in the FCS as the top player wearing the number 48 this season uh, for the 2020-2021 season. Uh, they're currently on a suspended season that will, uh, that will start up in the spring of next year. Uh, Chris is going to be a junior this year. He has uh, two years of eligibility, I believe, left, or three years possibly um, because of the, because they may be handing them another year. So let's get started. Uh, Chris Kalarvik is our first guest at the University of Northern Iowa. He's a tremendous linebacker. Um, he has set records. He was an All-American his freshman year uh, at the University of Northern Iowa, and he's going to be a great player that we all hope to be seeing him play on Sunday. Chris Kalarvik. The past four games, the UNI defense has welcomed the return of number 48. Chris Kalarovic is leading the team in tackles per game and showing the same explosiveness he showed a year ago. He's an explosive kid, can run, and, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he's a C-ball, hit-ball guy, and he, he did a really good job last year. So the expectations for Chris is, is that he's going to continue to do that. So you think that most of, most of your most of your teammates work as hard as you do? As hard as me? No, nobody works hard as me. <laughs> All right, we're on the uh, air with uh, Chris Kalarvik. Uh, Chris Hello. is a linebacker. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no um, problem. So Chris is a uh, linebacker. Inside linebacker, I personally think he's going to be a field side outside linebacker, to be honest with you, because he's a freaking stud. He's fast as hell, and he can chase it down. Uh, but right now he's been playing inside linebacker uh, for the University of Northern Iowa, the Panthers, the Mighty Panthers. And uh, Chris is a great football player. Came out of St. Francis High School in Traverse City, Michigan. Division Seven, uh, St. Francis was a small school. Oh. Uh, Chris struggled through the recruiting process, not because he didn't do well. Uh, he was a great player in high school, got hurt a little bit, but a great player in high school, went to Colorado University camp, MVP, did the same thing at Northwestern, Michigan, Michigan State, 
and they just couldn't take him because of the level he was playing at. And, you know, I mean, he's playing against smaller kids and they just didn't know if he could do it at the division uh, one level. Chris is 6'2", 230 some pounds. Fluctuates 227 to 235. Uh, very fast. Uh, if he's not a 4'4 kid, I'll be very disappointed with him. Um, he's very fast. But Chris is a is someone I met when he was a sophomore in high school, St. Francis High School up in northern Michigan, when I was doing work with some kids through Team Attack Academy up there and TMB athletes. <clears throat> and uh, Chris was one of the top performers up there. Uh, spent a lot of time working out with Adam Troutman, who's uh, playing for the New Orleans Saints right now, um, and the Troutman family, Alec Troutman as well. So, Chris, what I want to do is I kind of want to go through. Do you 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 recall that day that we met? Yeah, yeah, back down in the end zone of uh, the field. Yeah, that was the first time I met you. You were a sophomore yeah, in high so. school, right? Yeah, a long time ago. And that's when you uh, started training. Um, yep. So, Chris, uh, Chris started training with uh, our organization outside of his high school. Did you have to kind of keep that a secret, Chris? Um. I don't think I had to, but we just, it was more just, I, I didn't say anything about it. I don't think, it, I don't think it really necessarily had to, but. Well, it was, uh, it wasn't really that well accepted up in Northern Michigan, as I recall. I don't remember. I know that I didn't have a great relationship with your coaches at St. Francis, even though they didn't know me and I didn't know them. Um, it seemed that through the, through the grapevine, I heard things that were, we do that. We didn't have the best of relationship with you working with me outside of outside of the uh, outside of the program. Why would a kid in high school, Chris? Why? How did that help you uh, move along your career? And in what way do you think it helped you, or if it hindered you to say that as well? But uh, no, no, no. It, um, I'd say the biggest thing is uh, Moses brought a lot of um, a lot of expertise to to football because he's been around so much. He's been to so many different schools, and he understands the game of football in a way that I don't think high school coaches could. Um, a high school coach that's been coaching in Northern Michigan their whole life, I don't think has the ability to understand um, what, a, what a player needs to do and, um, and, and, and schemes and everything that, that uh, the football player needs to, to understand in order to be to achieve at the highest level that they need to achieve at. So um, that's, that's where most helped me out. Do you think you could have gotten the workouts at, at the level that you needed to train when you were in high school if you just did the high school workouts? No, no. It's, it's really, really hard to just go off of um, the school workouts because that's not – they're not for someone who wants to achieve at such a high level that, that I would want to achieve at or someone who wanted to go play at the Division One level. That's not, those high school workouts are not um, – they're, they're, for, they're for just your average, uh, average high school kid who – wants to be a good, good high school player, I, I would say. And then it's hard for someone who, who wants to go play at the Division One level to, under, to know what kind of workouts to be doing and what they need to do to, to get their body in the right, to the right place. So do you think the intensity would be the same? I mean, not, not at all. Obviously, there's a free – It kind of gives you know. a little direction. It, it kind of it gives you direction to know that you're doing the right thing and know, know that you, the workouts you're doing are what you, what you should be doing. To get to be successful. When you first started uh, training uh, outside of your school with with us, um, was it? Did it seem really intense to you compared to what you had done in the, before you got involved in that? Um, to be honest, it was. I mean, it was. It wasn't anything I didn't expect. But yeah, it was way more intense than any of the workouts that I had been doing. Okay, so. Um, so you go through high school, and uh, you have a s successful career. Were you all state at St. Francis? Yeah, I think second team. Second team, all state. So you're yeah. a great linebacker. You, uh, I just remember, you know, that when they talked about, you know, St. Francis, your name was like the first first name they they brought up. And I also know that uh, St. Francis had, when you were there. You had some schools, some schools recruiting you. Who were all the schools that were recruiting you, Chris? Um, I had a bunch of walk-ons. I had a lot, a lot of walk-ons. Well, that's offering. Uh, that's that's offering. Yeah. How many were so recruiting Michigan, you? Yeah, Michigan, Michigan State, and Northwestern were the major ones that I, I was really interested in. And then I ended up getting offered by Northern Iowa late, and I uh, ended up going there. 
Okay. So uh, tell me about the transition from St. Francis to Northern Iowa. Oh, it was really hard, actually, um, just football-wise. Mostly, I think physically for me was not the problem. It was never really the problem. Obviously, I've, I've worked to improve my size and strength and speed every, every year I've been here, but it's been the mental side of it, which now I think is somewhat of a strength of mine, my football IQ. But when I got here, it was, it was the reason I wasn't on the field. My red shirt, I had to redshirt my first year. That was the reason I wasn't on the field because I didn't understand um, any of the run scheme concepts or um, passing concepts. I didn't understand how to um, how to play in how, how to play in a defense that um, that's a lot lot more complicated than than a high school defense. So well, St. Francis to learn that. St. Francis, you were just a you got you were just choose a gap, right? They tell you correct. It was just yeah. It was just it was just um, gap and your, go. Your only, your only job would just be plug a gap and then or drop to a to a zone and and, and basically the same zone every time in uh, pass plays. So I totally believe that you were you were at a, a severe disadvantage with other kids who played more complex systems and bigger high school programs coming out of there. Not really. And that's involved. what. That's what. Um, that's what a lot of college college coaches told me. Is what they saw on film. It was not. It was. It was obvious. Even when I went to camps and stuff, it was obvious that that my football IQ was lacking, and I didn't understand. I didn't understand defense at all. So that was. That they said that was a big factor in, in me not getting those scholarship those walk ons instead of scholarship offers. Did you ever hear anybody say like, uh, you know, it's not my job to get you recruited. You know, my job is to put the team together and win and all that kind of stuff. And maybe they 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 didn't say that at St. Francis. I don't remember. Um, no, they I, don't, do remember. I don't remember anybody saying that. But, uh, but I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they like went out of their way to to um, get I don't, recruited. It was it was more yeah. of a it was more of a, I'm not going to stand in your way, but I'm not going to do anything extra. That was, it was that's what I remember it being. Yeah, I think probably the bigger problem at St. Francis, which is different in different high schools around the country, with all the kids that we've had recruited. Uh, but I think the bigger problem at St. Francis was they weren't going to change their offense to teach you more about football. Then right. they were running sis, uh, uh, sis, systematic uh, football that they'd been running since the fifties or sixties and yeah. hadn't changed it at all. Yeah. Do you think, do you think uh, playing for a more elaborate system would have helped you come, you know, I mean, know more about football and get recruited at a higher level? 100, 100%. No question about it. So some of these coaches – I had no idea what even – I didn't even know what power was or gap scheme, zone scheme. I didn't know any of that. I didn't, know, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, I remember I was trying to teach you how to play against some of that stuff, and I think sometimes you'd look at me going, why am I learning how to play this? <laughs> yeah. I, just didn't, I didn't even realize it was necessary to learn. Yeah. I no so, so if you had to talk to a coach, what would you say to a coach if he told you, you know, we play our system and we play football and we play it the way we play it. That's the way it goes. We're not really concerned about a kid like a Chris Kalarvik who might want to go to college and play Division One football. What would you tell him? I don't even not, think not it's necessarily awesome. not necessarily your coach, just a guy sitting yeah, in the airport yeah, you run into. What would you say to yeah. him? Yeah, I wouldn't even th say it's about the specific player. I think it's about. Um, if you if you're just going to run the same thing based on that's what we've done in the past, and you're not going to tailor that to who you have on your team, I think I think it's really important. If you watch the NFL and college level; they're going to they're going to change their offense based on where they're where they're most, where they're most talented. At. They're not going to just run the same thing. They're going to if they if they've got a quarterback who can run, they're going to run the read option. If they got a quarterback who can throw and sit in the pocket, they're going to run more more pro style and spread out and spread it out more. Um, and trying so, to try and stretch the stretch the ball downfield, so that so I say more. I think more they should um, try and learn learn offense and learn how to how to run different things and run based on um, you know who they have on their team. Do you think a coach, a high school coach, should make it his obligation to make the player the most prepared he can can be and learn the most about football that he can learn while he's in his high school experience? I think it's a, I don't I yes I I don't think it's uh, his, his number one job should be to win, but that should be number two. Okay, so now we we talk, we've talked about the uh, football IQ, and I agree with you. You know, I mean, I watched you play at uh, at uh, at St. Francis, and you 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 would get a little bit miffed about this. I know your dad would get miffed about this, and I know that all the ki the parents that I sat with in the St. Francis crowd would get miffed at me when I'd go. 
what is this bullshit they're running? And are they ever yeah. going to learn anything about football today? Yeah. Because you guys were running, you know, basically uh, full house, uh, robust, yeah. double wing type stuff on every play. And you yeah. guys did well with it. You went to state championships. You went to quarterfinals. You went to at the 7-7 seven, seven level of, of eight and yeah. pounded your way into state, state championships and state playoffs. But you really didn't learn as much about the game as you needed to, which, and you've and you've said that. So yeah, we we always lost. We lost in the quarterfinals twice. We never made the state championship. So would you tell a coach, "Hey, listen, if you were my coach, I'd say teach me, teach me more, teach me everything you got." Right. That's what I do right now with with my coaches here. I'm I'm up there every day just trying to learn because I know that's honestly to in the time that I've been here, I've learned that the football IQ thing is more important than. The athleticism you can be as athletic as you want but if you don't have that if you can't read and react faster than the next guy then you won't win that job that's right i mean you can be a 4 4 40 right yeah but you if you react two tenths of a second slower than a four yeah. or a four tenths of a second slower than a four eight forty the four eight guy's going to beat you to the play right exactly exactly every yeah. time so um the next thing is do you find that these guys in, in college that you have that you face some of the same problems with your teammates that you faced in high school just at a higher level? Like, are they training intensity? Are they training to win? Are they do they want to win national championships? They probably want all those things, but does their do their actions actually tell the story that these guys want to be winners? These guys want to be the best in their trade, and they want to be the best on the field. Yeah, definitely. We, I mean, I I'd say. Um, for the most part, yes. There's a lot of guys. Some guys that that and there's going to be at every program that you know they just want they just want to play football and they're not they're not too concerned about how well or anything. They just they just want to collect their scholarship check and and that's it. But for the most part, yeah, most guys I'm around. Um, so you think that most of, day, most of your day. most of your teammates work as hard as you do? As hard as me? No, nobody works hard as me. Not <laughs> <laughs> what you just got through saying. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I I no I no I oh, you're right, nobody works as hard as me but everybody else everybody else I'm not saying they don't work hard but they don't work as hard as me. Yeah, what would happen if they all worked as hard as you, Chris? We we went we went national championships. Yeah, I think you would too. I've been I've seen a lot of your games. Well, listen, I know that you're headed to some big things here because I know what's going Appreciate on that. in your in the background, and people are going to be hearing the name Chris Kalarvik. Uh, and a lot. Uh, a got a lot to work on. Got a lot to work on, but we're getting there. Well, we're going to keep our eye on Chris Kalarvik, number 48 for the University of Northern Iowa. And we'll see you in the near future and in the far future, I believe, Chris. Keep working hard. All right? Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for coming on, buddy. All right. Absolutely. Our second guest on uh, Somewhere in Between is a young man out of Georgetown University who's gone through the transfer portal. He actually graduated at Georgetown after becoming a Patriot League, Division One Patriot League FCS uh, program. Graduated from Georgetown early, which it's not even easy to graduate from Georgetown, but, and it's not easy to get in. It's a tough school. This is a very bright young man. Uh, he transferred in the transfer portal to Sam Houston State. Isaac Schlag uh, graduated from Chatfield High School in Littleton, Colorado, and has developed himself into uh, the type of player that the NFL, he's uh, in the NFL watch right now. So we're excited to have Isaac Schlag on the show, and uh, let's get started with Isaac. So joining us here on Somewhere in Between with Coach Moles and the Coop. The Coop is currently in the Bahamas. The Bahamas. Who goes to the Bahamas? It's tough. No one. Anyway, so uh, we're missing the Coop. But we'll join us on this. Uh, as you know, we're doing in this episode uh, interviews with some guys that trained throughout the years with uh, – with both of us, a little bit with Coop, not much uh, in this case of Isaac's live, but a little bit. And uh, Isaac uh, is is currently uh, our guest, Isaac Schley, S-H-L-E-Y. If you're going to find him, you'll find him in the program of Sam Houston State University as a tight end. 
who just transferred through the transfer portal from Georgetown. And uh, how's that transition going for you, Isaac? Um, transition has been great. I've been here since January, so about nine months. Um, I'm in. I'm in on the team. I'm in with the buddies. I've got friends. I'm living with teammates. Um, as far as I know, the coaches like me, and uh, I've earned respect on the field and off the field. And um, you know, I feel like I've been here a lot longer than nine months, so it's going great. So uh, you came from Georgetown University, where uh, you were somewhat of a star tight end at Georgetown. Um, got some people talking to you about uh, looking at you in the NFL. Um, if you have one, this is your one last season transferring your, your, this is your senior season. Um, you guys are playing when Isaac this year? Um, well, it's actually a really unique situation right now. And as for star tight end at Georgetown, I was uh, all conference fullback. So take yeah. that. Well, they don't know the difference between a fullback and, you know, they're really smart in that conference, that Patriot League, but they don't know the difference between a fullback and a tight end. Yeah, no, I was a Y and they had me as an H and listed me as a fullback. So it was crazy. Nine targets senior year. It, it was more of a fullback role, but um, I am a true tight end now, inline tight end. We call ourselves H's. We're Y's down here. Um, but, yeah, right now for the season, we're actually um, – I was granted another year of eligibility. So you get to play next year. I'm playing next fall. Yeah. I've got my contract boy December of 2021. So Huntsville, Washington, DC to Huntsville, Texas. There's a contrast, huh? Could not have been a bigger contrast. So you like uh, the view of the prison from your apartment? I can hear the prison sirens every night and every morning. (laughs) <laughs> you can drive by the old rundown prison still full of people and you see the guards up in the tower holding their guns you go to the Kroger and the guards come in and their prison guard get up and they're buying groceries it's a, it's a prison town awesome <laughs> <laughs> which so tell me Washington DC how you enjoying the 175,000 degree weather it is Miserable. Uh, Colorado, I was a warm human being. I would sweat a lot when working out in Colorado, and uh, I survived. It wasn't really that hot. I would complain it was hot. I went to D.C., and all of a sudden, I was like, Colorado's nothing because D.C. is hot and humid. And I come down to Huntsville, and everyone says, oh, it's going to be hot. And I was like, oh, don't worry. I handled it up in D.C. It was humid. It was hot. And I come down here. January and it was probably 45 degrees and people are in Carhartt jackets and jeans because they were cold. So some people might be thinking this is one of the longest intros ever and we're not even done yet. Uh, But I do want to point out that there's a special breed of football player that worked in our program, team attack Academy, TMB athletes where love of the game is so important. We had, uh, we've had Chris Kalarvik on from UNI. We have Flo McCann from Colorado State University, who you trained with. Uh, yep. I don't know if you ever trained with Chris because uh, he was up in northern Michigan. we got Cam Cooper coming on, who you trained with as well. Um, and every, every single guy that, that I'm looking at, he's just loving football. Here you are uh, in Huntsville, Texas, never dreaming that you'd ever be in Huntsville, Texas. Never dreamed you'd be at Georgetown, Washington, D.C. And here you are still playing. You're going to get two more seasons uh, playing and maybe get a a strong shot at doing some NFL stuff. Um, Maybe you can learn how to shoot a gun over the next two years so the scope doesn't cut your face. Oh, yeah. Just don't shoot the prisoners through the fence. (laughs) All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about your background. Uh, Isaac, you and I met when you were in the eighth grade or seventh grade? We met in sixth grade. I didn't sixth join the program grade. in ninth grade. You joined the program in the ninth grade, but we met in sixth grade. Yeah. And uh, you still came around a little bit, though. I saw you at camps and things like that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I saw so, you. Well, I met you. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. You're still with QBA, and then you branched off. Um, started running some of your own camps 
and I was still coming to those. I think you hosted one at Chatfield when Austin Ime was there. Um, so I was around, but I didn't start the program until my freshman year in high school. So Isaac, when Isaac, when I met Isaac and when he came into the program, Isaac was very tall <coughs> for his age. I played golf today and I have this raspy voice. <coughs> Excuse me, not to drink some water, but Isaac had this, uh, Isaac was a tall kid. And when he turned sideways, all you could see was his nose. <laughs> <laughs> Because you were invisible. You were so skinny. Do you, do you remember how skinny you were? I've seen pictures. <laughs> but you don't actually remember no. barely being able to stand straight up in a wind? <laughs> no. And I never met a kid who loved football more than you did. I met some who loved it as much as you did. But your desire to play football actually kind of scared your parents a little bit. You were a quarterback, and they thought, well, at quarterback, uh, he should be safe, you know. Uh, little did they know that you were going to sprout into a six-foot-four, six-foot-five, 260-pound tight end at the Division One level in college and that with all the achievements that you've had. Uh, tell me about the transition um, from quarterback to tight end because I know – you got hit a lot as a quarterback, but you did almost no hitting at all. And I remember when I heard you were going to tight end, I went, I wonder if he's ever going to be able to hit anybody. So tell me about tell tell everybody about the transition because again, you were a great quarterback in Colorado. And you went out there as a quarterback and you ended up being a an all conference tight end. Tell me about that transition. The transition, um, it was a little rough. Um, I was looking forward to it, but Basically, I remember you used to make fun of me in high school because I would run and I would run straight up because I had no concept of what it was like to run with my pads down and carry my momentum into contact. And you would make fun of me all the time. And so going into Georgetown. I don't know if I was making fun of you. I think I was shaming you more than making fun of you. <laughs> that probably was it. I was, I was getting mocked. We would watch film. It was a rough session of why are you running so high. Right. But, you know, my, my – <laughs> year at Georgetown uh, I didn't actually play uh, I was last on the depth start at quarterback so I really didn't get any practice reps either and so there was not a lot of running involved so contact was minimal and um, went through spring ball and I, I had kind of forgotten how to throw the ball got the yips when I got out there and never fully got it back and I went through spring ball and uh, you know I didn't feel like I got back to where I was and I ended up getting a call when we were at Bronco seven on seven um, I'm out on the field in between games. I get a call from my OC. He says, hey, what do you think about moving to tight end? And me and you were anticipating that, and you had maybe put on weight. So I was already up 10 to 15 pounds. And I was like, you know what? Um, that's fine. If, if it means I get on the field, we'll do it. And uh, I played tight end at 235, 230 pounds as a sophomore. Um, and I got bullied because not only did I not weigh enough, wasn't strong enough, but I didn't know how to use my weight or my momentum, and I still ran really high. I remember getting rocked in practice by the little guys and getting made fun of because I was the big guy. Um, so it, it was a, a learning process and a learning curve. And uh, I figured it out in spring ball into junior year. By junior year, I felt comfortable with my body and using my momentum and uh, just being a big guy, but I still wasn't big enough. So I could take the hits, but I wasn't quite delivering them yet. So we were working on rolling hips through contact, hands, and just running lower. And by senior year, I feel like I had a pretty good handle on it. Obviously, you can still improve, and I'm looking forward to that uh, in the spring and in whatever form of practice we get now. But um, every pound made a difference when I got bigger in taking hits and delivering hits. Because by my senior year at 255 instead of 245 or 235, hits were – I was delivering them and not receiving them anymore. So – that's a long road, uh, Isaac. I remember, see, a lot when I go to places, I remember going to Ohio State and uh, going through their training facility and learning about how they train uh, at every position with their uh, their uh, strength conditioning uh, guy. And uh, he looked at me and he said, you train high school kids? And I go, yeah. He goes, how do you do that? And he knew, I knew exactly what he was talking about. I said, you're talking about the prepubescent to adolescent to adult body frame? He goes, yeah, oh, we get our adults, <laughs> you know. Yeah. 
I can't imagine trying to uh, train some kid who's coming in in the ninth grade. And you were a perfect example of that, being as tall as you were and as thin as you were. I was well, I was six one, one hundred and forty five pounds freshman year of high school. So you look at that, Isaac. Why don't you tell everybody what you had to go through, go through diet wise, which you you know how that went for you, and and, and really get into some detail on it because I remember how hard it was for me to work and get you guys going because uh, it really it really is hard uh, to get a kid like you. You a lot of kids like you would be a hundred and 55 pounds by the time they were seniors instead of, you know, 210 pounds throwing a, throwing a, a football, you know, 65 yards. Go ahead and go through that a little bit, will you? Yeah. Well, the, the biggest thing was just the sheer amount of food I had to eat as a skinny kid. It didn't have anywhere to go. And I still don't like eating that much because um, I still <laughs> keep it up. And just the amount of food and the amount of food I ate when I didn't want to eat or just shoved down, you know, I wasn't hungry. It was unreal. And, uh, I look forward what was your, what was your goal calorie wise? What were we, where were we trying we to were probably eight or 9,000 calories? Yeah. A day. A day. Do you remember the, uh, max feed pro? Did you take, oh, I hated that. So <laughs> when, when we got real about putting on weight, it was, and meat. It was burgers and steaks and eggs and whole milk and this, this weight gainer called Manfeed Pro, which had these 2,400 2, calories if you did the servings right. I cheated them because it was disgusting. It was this grainy <laughs> powder that vaguely tasted like chocolate and had chia seeds in it and didn't taste good and the texture was awful. And then you just had to choke this down twice a day, every day. And uh, it got to the point where I was like trying to gulp it down. And sometimes I wouldn't finish it or I'd let the seeds fall to the bottom. So I wouldn't have to drink them. And I just dump them out. And uh, (laughs) it took two or three years before I hit a weight where I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'd rather do literally anything else. How many days do you think from your uh, eighth grade, ninth grade year, all the way through to your senior year, do you think I got pretty uh, rambunctious about getting up your butt a little bit about eating? How many, th- how many days out of a week do you think that happened? It was literally almost every day. Yeah, it was. Work out and we'd go out to eat and you'd tell me, you're not eating enough. You don't look like you're eating enough. And I'd be eating everything I possibly could. And it wasn't, I mean, obviously I had a long ways to go. I had 80 pounds to put on to where our goal was. We wanted to go from 145 to 225. So this is how a skinny kid whose coach says to me, I don't know if he'll ever – he should maybe become a basketball player or something, maybe golf, your coach told me. Because uh, when I first talked to him, I when I first met you, I was working with a quarterback that was a couple of years ahead of you, Austin Iim, at Chatfield High School where you went here in Littleton, Colorado. And uh, your coach said, I don't think you – you really understand, Coach, that this is this is a this kid Isaac. He is a case that you will never solve. He won't he won't be able to pull it together. And I said, Well, I know the Isaac. I know Isaac Schley's body. I've been w- working with kids Isaac's age, and um, part of our program was that I would make promises to people that Hey, I think we put 40, 50 pounds on this kid, and the, the parents would look at me like you're you're out of your mind, and. Uh, so that was the difficulty of working with high school kids, you know, uh, the most. And that was one of the reasons why the guy at Ohio State told me, you know, look, I would never do what you're doing. You can't get those kids, you know. You know, some of them are hopeless. And how many guys did you meet that came in real small that had to get real big? It was all of them. All of them. Maybe I think it was Marcus at Mullen that came in as a grown man as a sophomore in high school, and we were all like, he's huge. I mean, yeah. I met Bev. Bev was big, but I know Bev came in skinny. I know he was skinny before I met him. Yeah, so we're talking about Marcus McElroy, the starting running back at Colorado State University who worked with us and trained with us. Uh, we're also talking about Jonathan Beverly, who uh, was a uh, all-conference running back for Colorado Macy University in, uh, in Colorado who went to Columbine High School. 
uh, Marcus obviously went to Mullen. And uh, you're right. There wasn't much work to be done with Marcus. Marcus was uh, recruit ready, right? They were recruiting him when we met him. He was uh, he was uh, freakishly strong and fast as a sophomore, and those are the kind of guys who get recruited. So take me to uh, this spot. You you go through high school. You do a great job as a quarterback at Chatfield, and I think you ran naked uh, more. That naked boot uh, more than exclusively. Yeah. It was like, uh, I think you ran that more than any human being in history. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then zone flood on the backside, right? And maybe bring a crossing route over there. If the zone was all covered up, you'd throw the backside. Yep. And that hurts your recruiting because they go, coach, all he's thrown into is zone flood. I said, he's smarter than that. He knows he's been taught more than that. But that's what they do. Play action, boot out, have the tight end sneak out, have the slot receiver maybe do a 10-yard out and then bring a post over our corner over the top of it uh, from the other side. And uh, it, so your film, while it looked good, you know, and you're, you know, obviously parents and kids and coaches go, God, look how good this guy is. He's, he's tremendous. And I go, I got nothing to show besides naked, <laughs> you know, he, uh, not, not a drop back quarterback. Once in a while you throw a, f- a five yard hitch or something to get it first down. Um, and once in a while you throw a heaven, heaven hope, uh, fade, uh, down the field. Um, so we come into your recruiting and you're a big, strong, fast, big muscular dude. Uh, from that six one hundred forty five pounder, and I wish people uh, could actually see the difference where we could do a before and after because it, it was massive. And here you are, uh, consideration in the NFL. Uh, you're playing at Sam Houston State, which is a formidable Division One FCS uh, football team that gives North Dakota State a run every now and then in that uh, in that championship and that's a conference of NFL players I mean Sam Houston's had a ton of ton of players go in the NFL so a lot of attention on you uh, but you look back and you think of the, the day I think it was around February 6th no it was around January 6th and I went to the AFCA convention and you were pissed and you had I could hear a little choking of possible tears coming out of your eyes and you said coach all I've got are division two opportunities now Isaac was a yeah what a what'd you get on the ACT a 34 uh, 32 32 but what was your GPA a 4-4 or something like that yeah 4-4 4-5 so really really a smart kid right and uh he's got offers to Colorado State Pueblo where you could have uh been shoveling coal as a graduate, I think, with a degree from the Colorado State Pueblo. They probably would like hearing that. Well, there are other places like Mesa and Western State and, you know, all these different other – Alamosa, Adams State, you know. And almost all of the RMAC. And, and yeah, they're all, they were almost all in the RMAC. And you're like, Coach, where am I going to go to school? I got a, I got a 4.4 GPA and a 32 on the ACT, and I'm going to go – I'm going to go studying wildlife or something at Adams State University. And uh, I told you, don't worry, Isaac, we'll find you something. Uh, and you were really worried about that. And I went to the uh, AFCA convention, and you were chosen as the quarterback for the USA football uh, USA football uh, game on ESPN, right? And uh, it was after the AFC, and it, it was uh, right before signing day, like two days, two or three days before signing day, right? It was probably two weeks before because I went – or two weeks or one week before because I went on my official to Georgetown, then played in that game, and then it was signing day. That's right. And I remember how we got you that scholarship offer from Georgetown. I don't know if I ever that. told you that story, did I? You did. I actually asked a coach to walk over to me and say, hey, what'd you ever do with that Isaac Sly kid? Because, you know, we, I really want that guy. It was Andy Siegel, and at the time he was at Savannah State University. Yeah. He walks over, I really want that kid. 
And I said, look, I don't think he's going to go to Savannah State because he's got a 4.4 GPA. So I'm at the American Football Coaches Association convention, and you're pretty sad about these Division II offers you got, and you don't have any high academic schools. Uh, your parents were worried about the academics, uh, like most parents are. You know, what's going to happen to Isaac? I mean, he's not going to go to Colorado State Pueblo, and, and you know, he, he needs to have a high-end education. So anyway, Bryant gets a hold of you. Uh, Duquesne did call me. Um, for your number because they lost it, but you had already chosen to go to Georgetown at that time. Um, yeah. And it was that weekend before signing date, but you had some things coming out, coming out of the AFCA, but we kind of pulled a little bit of a scam uh, on the thing because Georgetown was a target, target school for me. And I saw the coaches of, it wasn't Scarlotta. It was the offensive coordinator at the time. Newberger. Newberger. Yeah. Uh, Thank God he was a new burger, not an old burger. It would have smelled pretty bad. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he's sitting there, and and I walk over to the table next to him. I put my computer down, and, I, and, I, and uh, Andy Siegel from Savannah State University, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, he's saying, where's this Isaac Schleich kid? I really got to see him. I was like, I got to have him. We got to have him at Savannah State. I don't know if he'll go here. He's a high academic kid. I don't know what are the academics at Savannah State, you know. And he goes, well, you know, he, we have some good programs and stuff like that. Show me his film, man. I just got to have him. And I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll put his film up. It's going to take me a couple minutes to get it up on the computer. Uh, Andy, why don't you go get something to eat, a coffee or something, and I'll have it ready for you when you get back. Well, he never came back. That was the whole plan. And I'm staying, sitting right next to the guy from Georgetown, and I put in your – film on your your highlight video on and the guy and the guy from georgetown goes hey uh who's this guy high academic guy you got as a quarterback and then all of a sudden you know we're talking i'm showing him your video and everything like that and this other guy walks over and goes who's that <laughs> I go, it's a guy from and that was the guys from duquesne they walked over they go this kid can play you know and they're having like a little, I'm not even saying anything. They're talking about everything you're doing on the screen. And so, uh, you know, this uh, Georgetown guy says, hey, can I say something to you really quick? I go, yeah. And he walks over and he whispers to me. He says, hey, get rid of this guy from Duquesne. I'm getting this kid for Georgetown. And I go, you want me to get rid of the guy? I go, hey, bud, uh, I hate to hurt your feelings, but uh, this guy's – Georgetown's already offered him, and this is where uh, Isaac's going to go to school. He's going to go to Georgetown. Well, we have Duquesne and all that, and he goes, you know, can I have your phone number? And can you? And I gave him the phone number and everything. But I think that's one of the reasons why they shied away from him is because uh, because the whole interchange that happened. And then you ended up at Georgetown. You got the phone call. <laughs> and uh, you graduated from Georgetown early, yep. which is which is amazing. Since, you know, I have several kids in my family, and I don't think any of them graduated except for one. Uh, <laughs> so we've, uh, you, you've accomplished a, a lot. So give me a summary statement, uh, Isaac, on, on the uh, TNB Athletes Team Attack Academy program. Um, well, you know, it, it took me from 6'1", 145 to a Division One college football player, I'd say you could say it was life changing. Um, there was going to be change regardless, but this kind of change is almost unwarranted. Um, we had to work really, really hard. And you told me college football was going to be the hardest thing I ever did. And I will say that's true. But up until that point, TNB athletes was the hardest thing I ever did. And, uh, it was grueling. Um, it was just being constantly, having integrity with what I was doing, whether I was staying focused or eating or just making sure I was taking care of my body and becoming a football player. Um, I know, I know we gave up some things like family vacations or going camping just because my body couldn't have done that given what we were trying to do. Um, And those are some of the lessons I took with me um, going forward was just, the type of dedication it would take to get to where you want to be. 
because of the guys you trained with, and you trained with a ton of them, right? When you first came in, you trained with Jerry Slota, right? Weren't you yeah. with Jerry Slota? Yeah. And he was, I think, five years ahead of you or something like that. Yeah, he was. But you, uh, I think the guys made it more fun, didn't it? Just being with those kind of guys that were like-minded like you, that didn't, didn't, didn't shy away from the weight room, that not only didn't shy away from the weight room, but spent, you know, three days on, one day off, three days on, one day off for six weeks, then take four days off and start over for, for four years, for you maybe five years of yeah. that kind of work. Uh, and I would think that the, the guys you were around helped that a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if we were doing team athletes, it was, we weren't very social. Um, we were out at Cole College, which was 45 minutes away from me. Uh, I know Fort Collins drove further, but so that was hour and a half of your night away, and then I had homework and I had training. So social life wasn't there. It was football. And this became the new social life. This is what I look forward to is coming to hang out with the guys and we would lift, we would run and then we go out to eat. And that was, that was my social time while I was doing my work. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I loved it. I enjoyed doing it. Well, Isaac Schley, tight end, Sam Houston state, lots to look forward to still in a career. And you've already graduated from college, not just from college, but from Georgetown university, devout Christian, uh, which I've always enjoyed about you. Um, just a solid soul. Uh, just an amazing, amazing, amazing experience that I had with you, Isaac. So listen, thanks for coming on, man. Thank All you. right, buddy. Take care. All right. Talk to you soon. See you later. As always, uh, even though Coop isn't here and he'll be here back, back here next week, um, with our, our guest next week, it's time to, uh, pay homage to our sponsor. Florian McCann owns the Denver-based Mile High Aeration Company. Um, we, this family, the McCann family, is an amazing family. Um, and Florian's done a great job. He's now been uh, aerating with Mile High Aeration in the Denver metro area for 33 years. And he's established uh, Mile High Aeration as the, the top aeration company and the top choice in the Denver metro area, the front range, actually. And, uh, you know, Florian uh, has a special way about him uh, and the way they work and the way they aerate, uh, aerate lawns. And it's that season. I mean, we're in September right now, uh, September 2020, and uh, it's fall, and it's time to aerate before the winter, before the winter destroys the roots of your, of your lawn. If you really want a healthy lawn come next spring, when you aerate again, uh, you will save you will save your lawn from uh, the bitter cold that we're facing this year. And a lot of people are thinking we're going to have a pretty cold winter. So, if you it, you really need to do this, but if you and you need to call uh, Florian, his phone number at Mile High Aeration is 303-778-1000. 303-778-1000. Uh, you can also schedule a, an appointment on the website at uh, milehighservices.com. Uh, that's milehighservices.com. Our ne- next guest is the son of our sponsor. Uh, you've heard, if you've seen this show, you've seen we, uh, our sponsor, Florian McCann from uh, Mile High Aeration. His son is also named Florian McCann, the third. Uh, and uh, uh, Flo, who owns Air, uh, Mile High Aeration, is is junior florian is a i think red shirt sophomore at colorado state university and i say i think about these things because i'm not sure whether they're going to get another year or not so i'm kind of another year of eligibility but uh, florian went through our program comes hails out of mullen high school here in De- the denver metro area uh, florian was a guy who came into our program um, a large person but not much not much going on with that. He was he was mostly had a lot of fat on him. Uh, he was weak. He was uh, I could see that he was a good athlete underneath all of it, but he'd done a lot to his body that he needed to change, and he turned into a beast. Uh, and you'll find out a lot about what he did to transition his body to become a Division One offensive lineman at Colorado State University. Florian McCann.
Yeah, so we got uh, on the on the Zoom call here with us uh, another interview with one of our former TMB athletes, Team Attack Academy. Although that's a for life thing, isn't it, Flo? Yes, it is. Yep. For a life thing, it's a lifestyle. So I have with me Flo McCann. Flo was uh, I met Flo when he was a sophomore at Mullen High School in Denver, Colorado, and uh, he was a little bit of a he was a little bit of a weak ass little fat boy when I met him <laughs> early in the tenth grade and uh, came into the program. Uh, ended up working hard and. Uh, winning a scholarship coming out of high school, Colorado State University, currently at Colorado State University. Do you know what position you're playing on the line yet? Yeah, I'm playing center. I mean, yeah, they have me at center. They threw me in a little bit of guard, but I'm pretty much staying at center. Uh, What's your size and weight right now? Um, I'm 6'4", 300 exactly. I I waver between 300 and 295. Yeah. Is that from lunch to dinner? It's just depending on the day, I could be, you know, some days I could be 300. The heaviest I was was 308, but I couldn't move at all. So since then, I've just been staying right at 300. And your athleticism's getting better? Yeah, definitely. Your hips, are they loosening up your hips? Your hips got real tight last year. Yeah, since March, I've been working with uh, training staff, loosening up my hips. That's always been a problem of mine. So been getting better, though. Getting off your toes? Yeah, you know, my toes. It's a lot harder to be on my toes at center, I've realized. Well, if this doesn't work out for you, you can always be a dancer. Uh, so let's get let's get into what your expectation is when you first met me. I met you at the Point Gym, right? This is where yeah. We met. yeah, at the yeah. Point Lakewood, uh, which is no longer there. And, uh, you know, what was going through your mind when, when you first stepped into that program? So my dad and I talked right after my freshman season and it was, I mean, I didn't play at all freshman year. And so him and I were just sitting down in my room one night talking about what I want to do, if I want to take this football thing seriously or not. And we got to talking and he said that he heard from Clement about you and about how you train and everything like that. So once we decided to go into that, I was nervous. Obviously, like you said, I was I wasn't in shape. I was, you know, I was a late bloomer. So I was just, you know, a little chunky kid. Uh, Just got done with football season and I was just clueless. I mean, I had no idea what to expect. Um, I had no idea, like, I'd be able to do what I have done, you know, in those three years with you. But, yeah, just super nervous, I guess, to make keep it simple. And after training with you for a year, I started varsity as a sophomore um, that coming fall. And so, I mean, my whole life changed there. And since then, I was able to play and just get better every day, it felt like. Just every single day, I just kept on grinding with you and all the guys and just got a lot better, got a lot more confident, and everything was great. How much personal time a week do you think you gave up? Uh, Each week. Let's see. I, I mean, I gave up a lot. Um, but I, I looked at it as, you know, just time. It was personal time, I guess, because yeah. you know, that's what I wanted to do myself. I wanted to do that. I'd rather do that than, you know, what most high schoolers are doing, just hanging out, doing nothing. So that I looked at that as personal time, definitely. You met a lot of guys. You trained with a lot of guys. How did that affect you, working out with some guys that were on teams that you competed against or with or whatever? And uh, I know you guys would go to school in the morning. I know you had to, you were on a personal diet, so you had to eat eat in the morning. You had to get to school, then you would finish school, and you would immediately have to go to this thing, uh, this training, which was usually about two hours, and then you'd have to drive home and do your homework and finish your homework and repeat and rinse, and you yeah. did that for three years. How many uh, How many guys do you think spent the kind of time you did in the gym? I team? mean – not many people on my team. I mean, uh, other than the guys that were in there with us from Mullen, but, you know, I looked around and we always had this conversation, you know, if you want it, you got to work for it. And, you know, you can just tell who's working for it and who's not. And I know that we put in a lot of hours, but obviously it paid off. I mean, we were 
a lot better. The guys who worked out with you and were able to just figure it out and put that time aside to get better. We were just, you could tell who worked harder and who was better. So how supportive were your high school coaches with what you were doing with us? Not supportive. Um, I remember talking to them. They kept on asking me if I was working out with you and stuff like that. And I'd, for a little while, I, I told them no. I didn't want them to, you know, get mad well, at me. That, or that wasn't really a lie because I asked you to tell them no, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. And then, you know, then it got to the point where they knew who I was working out with, and they still didn't like it. And I just told them, you know, I'm, I'm playing because I'm working out with moles. I'm, I am who I am because of moles. So I'm not going to change that. And then they still never really liked it, but they still don't like it. Still to this day, yeah. I, play this, I like see it. my conventions, they still give me the dirty, dirty the dirty doesn't look. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty I don't understand. I mean, it helped a lot, so. So then uh, you, after your junior year, it became recruiting time, right? Yeah. Uh, well, take, take me through that process real quick because you remember it. Um, I remember going to, you know, a couple of junior days. I went to CU and CSU junior days. Those things, um, they didn't do anything. No, they didn't do anything. <laughs> um, and my dad and I, the whole time we were going through it, like, you know, what's this all about? Yeah, it's just a tour of the school and stuff. But other than that, nothing really. Um, and then, I mean, I got, I think it was in May of my junior year, I got my first offer. And um, I, I had no idea it was coming. Um, it was from Montana. And it was kind of crazy how it worked out just because, I mean, we were working out, obviously. We never stopped. It was that three days on, one day off constantly. And so I just kept on working out. The season had already passed, everything like that. And then, yeah, just that morning I talked to Bob Stitt. He was in the office with Fennell, and then he he didn't offer me that day. It was kind of surprise because he pulled me into the office, told me that he's really interested, but he didn't offer and literally 30 minutes after he left the school, he called me and offered me. And so that was really cool. Um, I'll always remember that. And then went to a CSU camp and they offered me there. Um, and that night I committed to CSU. And here we are today. It's all competition. That's what you told us about the whole time. You know, you're always going to have to compete for your position in college more than you ever had in high school. So that's true. You know, who knows? Your, your father, uh, Florian McCann, is a sponsor of our show with his Mile Higher Aeration Company. Yeah. I know he's a big fan of all these COVID rules. Oh, yeah. He loves it. From he kind of went one, soft, though. He kind of went soft when you got COVID. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. What was I got it pretty bad. I got it pretty bad. Um, I'm still, like, my lungs are still messed up. Um, I got it one of the worst on the team. I don't know why. You know, I don't know how that happened, but one of the worst out of the, I think, uh, what the number of kids, 11 kids on the team got it. But I'm the only one, or there's actually one other kid, but I'm one of two kids who's still dealing with it. But I'll be all right. Are you training? Yeah, we're working out, lifting, running, all that. And you're okay with the with the with your lungs and all that, lung capacity and all that? Yeah, it just feels like I haven't worked out in three years. My lungs are just dead. Well, listen, so uh, what's ahead? What are you going to do? Hopefully I'm going to fight for a position. I, I am going to fight for a position. Um, I've been working really hard up here, um, just waiting for my time, obviously, and doing everything I possibly can, studying playbook, everything like that, to get on the field. I mean, you, you saw me last year get on the field for a little four plays, but that's not enough, so. No, I wanted to go down and throw a beat down on your coach, quite honestly. <laughs> I wanted to go down and turn him into a bloody spot on the field. <laughs> Listen, I'm proud of you, man. Way to go. Thank you. All right. Appreciate so it. Keep on pushing. Yep, I will. And last but not least, don't embarrass the moles. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll talk to you later, Flo. Thanks.